Colossians chapter 3, I'm going to start in verse 12, I'm going to read through verse 17. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. The title of the message tonight is Maintaining a Thankful Heart. Maintaining a Thankful Heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege that we have to open your precious word. I pray tonight, Father, as we look into the word of God and as we consider this subject, I pray that you would allow you to um, have your will and way and May we open our hearts and minds to receive your word uh, that may encourage us and challenge us and edify us uh, into a closer walk with thee. And we'll thank you and praise you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is sort of a combination of a topical and expositional message, I guess, really. But anyway, maintaining a thankful heart. You know, uh, we've talked about a little bit last Sunday night about thankfulness. Of course, I mentioned that Thanksgiving is a truly American holiday. Uh, its roots go back to the pilgrims, and after they've landed on uh, Plymouth, and they're in Massachusetts Bay, and of course, the, the, the season, the time, it wasn't, by the way, it wasn't just a day that they set aside. It was, it was a, I can't remember the amount of time, but a time they... They uh, uh, set aside to thank the Lord for uh, his blessings and his goodness to them, which, by the way, was after a season where they thought they were going to end up starving to death because they had a bad drought that summer, and they prayed and fasted for rain, and God sent rain, and then they had a bountiful harvest. So, but anyway, Thanksgiving, or thankful, to be thankful, is, as we mentioned, is expressing gratitude or appreciation, and it is a result of a right thinking or understanding of God and man. It, it's, I believe it's the result of a right thinking or a right understanding of God's holiness and man's sinfulness, which I've come to, to conclude that if you understand the holiness of God, you're going to understand your sinfulness. Because if you don't understand your sinfulness, you're not going to think, think that the holiness of God is a big deal. He's just going to be sort of common to you. Uh, when we understand the holiness of God and, and how holy he is, and by the way, it's not really possible for us to fully comprehend that because we don't see it. We, don't, we can't experience that. Complete holiness. Only God is that. But as we... As we understand as much as we can the holiness of God, we will then come to understand it. And these things, again, these, these, these are like 
the, the, the positive and negative on your battery. You can't have one without the other because it won't work. Uh, you also understand your own sinfulness. And being thankful is a command. If you notice it says here in verse 15, the end of the verse, and be ye thankful. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now you might say, well, there are some things that I can't give thanks for. Well, you know, many times it's our troubles and tribulations that bring us to places where we really reach out to God and get the help we need from the Lord. You know, David said, It's been good that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Uh, to be thankful means to be mindful of favors, grateful to God, uh, acceptable. So tonight I have five points, and they spell the word thank, actually. Uh, but anyway, first of all, if we're going to be thankful, if we're going to maintain a thankful heart, we need to think on the goodness of God. We need to think on the goodness of God. In verse 12 it says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God. Now, he's not really specifically saying here thankfulness, but th- this comes later in the chapter, and he mentions it twice, or later in this paragraph, and he mentions it twice. But it is something that we have to put on. None of us are naturally thankful. There isn't a naturally thankful person. Thankfulness, I believe, is the fruit, is a fruit, a result of thinking on the goodness of God. This is something we have to choose to put on. Many are not thankful because they lack or refuse to accept the truth about God and themselves. Many, and, 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 of course, that is they refuse to, to accept that God is that holy and righteous God and they are wicked, depraved sinners deserving of what God says about them, the wrath of God. You know, I thought of this today. You've probably heard this statement. It's, that's a face that only a mother could love. Now think about that in our relation to God. We are the only face. We are only a face that God could love. I know that's a... Uh, a homely illustration, but, but we are sinners, wicked, depraved sinners in the sight of God. And, it, and again, if you understand the holiness of God and the wickedness of our own heart, you also then begin to understand how good God is, how great his love is and his mercy to us. You know, Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 to 23, you know, Israel had been taken captivity. Judah had been desecrated, raised by the Babylonians. All those that were of means were taken captive to Babylon. All that was left was the poor of the land. 
And, you know, the, the houses in the city had been burned. The, the, the temple had been destroyed. And all these things had taken place. It was, it was, it, they had been desecrated. And Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 33, uh, 21 to 30, 23, says this, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. You see, it was only, you know, though they had been desecrated and, and, and Jerusalem had been raised, but he said it's of the Lord's mercies that we haven't been completely wiped out. Because we really deserved it. I mean, this is the place in Jerusalem in the temple where Manasseh had offered babies on the altar. And many commentators say that he also made the temple a house of prostitution. Just like the idolatrous temples in the other nations around them. And so Jeremiah says, the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. You know, despite the destruction and devastation of Judah, which was the fruit of their choices... You know, and we see here that God is faithful not only in, 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 in uh, meeting our needs, but he's also faithful in his judgment. When he says he's going to judge, he's going to do it. But God is merciful even in that, that they were not completely destroyed, and he is still worth living for. You see, we need to think on the goodness of God. You know, think about America and where we are morally. We have murdered how many million babies since 1973? Now we're putting the elderly to death. And the immorality that is rampant in our nation, uh, sex trafficking, it's everywhere. And the elites of the political world are involved in it. You know, a person has to be foolish to say God is not good and merciful. You see, we need to think about the goodness of God. I'm going to look at a couple of passages of Scripture. Go to Psalm 84. Psalm 84 and verse, uh, verse 11. <coughs> Excuse me. Psalm 84, verse 11. It says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. And then Psalm 103, verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You know, so many times the problem is we, we are not thankful because we forget about the benefits of knowing the Lord. Who forgiveth all thy iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, 
so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. And so, you know, we need to think, if we're going to maintain a thankful heart, we need to think on the goodness of God. God is good. And God is good all the time. Even in judgment. You know, God's purpose of judgment is the same purpose we ought to have in correcting our children. In chastening our children. It's to correct their way. And bring them back into a right relationship with us. It also is to cleanse their conscience of guilt. And so we need to think on the goodness of God. Secondly, honor the Lord with your life. Notice verse 15. It says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Now the interesting thing as I was doing a little study on this was the word let and the word rule are the same Greek word. They're the same Greek word. And the word means, so there's a double emphasis here really, the word Latin rule here in this verse, verse 15, let the peace of God rule, it means to be umpire. To decide. To determine. To direct. To control. To rule. You see, we're to let the peace of God rule in your hearts. So we'll let the peace of God, and it is the peace of God that God gives to us, we're to let that rule or decide or settle a controversy or any dispute in our lives. Let it be the rule. You know, that requires a trust in God. A dependence upon Him. And if we're going to be thankful, we must let him rule, control in our life. We, it, to honor, of course, means to submit to or give deference to or to yield to. And it's the idea of willingly or cheerily. Peter said this way in 1 Peter 3, 10 11. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that he speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. And the word ensue it means to kind of run after it. And I saw an illustration of this at the lunch table today, dinner table today. You know, Andrew and Melinda are trying to teach Mia how to be happy. And she's happy if she obeys mom and dad. Because there's consequences if she doesn't. You know, if we would seek the peace of God, seek God's rule in our life, it would settle 
the disputes we have in our life. And, and, and I'm not talking about necessarily the disputes with other people, although it would, but our disputes and our controversies with the Lord. Now, I'm sure that you never argue with the Lord. I mean, if you're struggling with something in his word that, that he tells you in his word, you're struggling with it and not wanting to do it, you're arguing with the Lord. You're disputing with him. And I don't think there's anyone here who can look at, us, look at me angelically and say, I've never done that, <laughs> including myself. There are things that we struggle with. And we dispute with him over, but we're to let God's peace rule. Let him be the umpire. Let him be the one that decides. You know, Joshua is standing and looking at Jericho, and then he sees the Lord appears to him and says, and he says, I'm the captain of the Lord of hosts. And he says, what saith my Lord unto thy servant? And it was the Lord that umpired. He decided how to conquer Jericho. Now, this is just my personal opinion, but I think that 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 Josh was standing out there looking at Jericho and trying to say, what's going to be the best strategy for taking that city? Because after all, as we learned in Sunday school class this morning, they had a, they had an, a spring that come up in the city. So they could be sieged for a very long time and survive. And with walls around the city and the way it was fortified, it was almost impossible to take the place. And so I think he's there, you know, thinking, you know, how, how are we going to take that city? And the Lord appeared and settled the dispute. You see, we need to let God's peace rule in our life. Honor the Lord in your life. Let him give deference to him, yield to him. That's what it means to honor him. Just as a child is to honor their parents. Thirdly, we need to appropriate the victory that God has given. Notice verse 15 again. It says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Notice this phrase. To the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. You know, we, we are called in one body. We're called to be members of his body, the church. And we ought to practice or appropriate. That's really what appropriate means. Put into action or practice or apply what belongs to us as God's children? What belongs to us? There are things that belong to us by right of the fact that we are a child of God. I have a right. You know, when I was a, when I was a boy at home, every year, come back to school time, Every year, I need a new pair of, we call them sneakers, for gym class. And I didn't worry about where I was going to get them. You know what I did? I went home and said, Dad, they said we needed sneakers for gym class. Because buying those sneakers was not my responsibility. It was my dad's. You know, as a child of God, I have every right to go to God and say, God, I need this. This is need I have. 
And you know what? He wants me to come to him with my needs. He expects me to come to him with my needs because he's my father. He's my father. You know, we have victory, unity, fellowship, members one of another, opportunity for growth and holiness, of witness, to be a light to the world. Uh, we, we, are, we ought to exercise the power that is available to us over, over the world, the flesh, and the devil. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, he says that, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. You see, he says this, this power is to us who believe, you know, and that's the power to overcome the temptations of the world, the flesh, and the devil, to be victorious. You see, the children of Israel turned back in the wilderness because they failed to appropriate or act on the promise of God. They failed to appropriate it. What they already had been promised, they failed to take. He told them over and over again, I have given you the land. Go in and possess it. And he is saying to us, I have given you the victory. Possess it. Possess it. But you know what? They forgot. Look at Psalm 78. Psalm 78. Excuse me, Psalm 78, verse 6 through 8. He says that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and might not be as their fathers a stubborn, rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright, and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Go to chapter 95, chapter 95, verse 8 says, harden not your heart, as in the provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Again, we're talking about when the children visited in the wilderness and they turned back. When your fathers tempted me, notice this, they proved me and saw my work. They proved me and saw my work. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation, said, It is a people that do err in their heart, and they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. And, of course, we see this over in Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4. This is spoken of as well. In Hebrews 3 and verse 14 He says, for we are made partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said, today if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some when they had heard did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, 
But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter in his rest? But to them that believed not. So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left of us entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So we have to, by faith, appropriate the victory that God's promised us. That means we have to possess it. Now, that means we have to turn away from our own understanding, our own ways of thinking, and accept what God has said. And act on it. Which the children of Israel failed to do. They failed to appropriate the victory that God had already given to them. And so, we need to appropriate the victory God has given us, that he's promised us. Fourthly, Nurture. Nurture your relationship with God. If you're gonna, again, if you're going to maintain a thankful heart, you must nurture your, your relationship with the Lord. Notice verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. We need to nurture our relationship. The word nurture means to do things to promote growth. We have to do things to promote growth. And he says, we're to teach and admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Of course, the best way to nurture our growth is to assemble together faithfully. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 23 through 25, the Bible says, Let us hold fast our profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So we're to assemble together to provoke. That means to stir up. You know, sometimes that makes you feel uncomfortable. But we're to stir up one another to love, and to good works. Exhorting one another, challenging one another, stretching one another. And, and so, and again, if we're, this is key to maintaining a thankful heart, and, and as it says here in this passage, holding fast our profession. You know, we need to we allow the Word of God to teach us and admonish. You know, the word admonish means to warn, to put in your mind. And we need to be warned over and over again. Because if we get away from the fire, you start to get cold. Romans ten seventeen says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You know, John 10, 27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. And, you know, we need to listen to and heed the word of God. 
And we ought to give the more earnest heed. Hebrews 2 tells us, to the more sure word of prophecy that Peter talked about, where do you do well to take heed? As unto light that shineth in dark place. You see, we need to, the Bible instructs us over and over again that we need to, 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 be, to saturate and to nurture our minds and our hearts with the word of God, admonishing and teaching. That was the secret to Joshua's success. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then thou shalt make the way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. You know, James tells us in James chapter uh, 1 and verse 22, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. He beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. You know, I don't have a lot of confidence in people who give lip service to the Lord, but doesn't show. Because the Bible talks about, over and over, about being doers of the word, not hearers only. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, He that heareth the sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto a wise man. But he also said, He that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, I will liken unto a foolish man. Both heard. Only one did. Only one did. You see, we need to nurture that relationship with God and not just hear what the Word of God teaches or says to us. Well, again, we need to appropriate it. We need to nur- nurture that relationship. Proverbs over and over again. Proverbs 1, 4, 1. Hear ye children the instruction of the Father. Attend to no understanding. Verse 20. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ears unto my sayings. Chapter 5, verse 1. My son, attend unto my wisdom. Bow thine Bow thine ear to my understanding. How's the idea of bending your ear? You're, you're really like Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, soaking up everything that he says. And again, it was Mary that understood that he was to die, but he also would be resurrected. Why? Because she sat and listened. She gave attendance to she nurtured that relationship with her Lord. You know, nurturing our relationship with the Lord should be a should be the top priority in your life. The top priority in your life. Because it'll affect all other relationships. And it's going to affect your relationship with the Lord. And so, we need to nurture. If we're going to maintain a thankful heart, 
right thinking, we have to nurture our relationship with the Lord. Then you'll notice, fifthly, keep, keep our focus on the words of God. Again, verse 15 of our text, Colossians 3, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. No, I'm sorry, verse 16, the wrong verse here. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now, like verse 15, verse 16, the word let and the word dwell are the same Greek word. Now, I don't understand enough about Greek to, know, to explain that to you. I just know that's what the Blue Letter Bible says. But it means, of course, to dwell here or let dwell means to dwell in one and influence for good. So we let the word of God be the source or the one that dwells in our life and influences us for good. In other words, it should be the overwhelming greatest influence in our life. We are to keep our focus on the words of the living God. And this is a choice. This is, we have to choose to do this so we can experience the things. That, and again, these things are, you know, we experience these things that God has promised us, and they come to us through the ear gate. Which means we've got to spend time there. Now, here's why. According to the experts, whoever the experts are, and I believe this to be true, that basically you remember 10 to 20% of what you hear. But you remember 30 to 50% of what you see. And God speaks to us through the ear. And the devil entices us through the eye. Study through the Bible. What's it say? And Eve saw the tree was good for food, desired to make one wise. Achan saw a wedge of gold, wedge of silver, and a Babylonian garment, and he coveted them. And took them. David saw a beautiful woman washing herself. And he took her. Every sin starts with a seeing. The devil works through the eye gate. And the thing is, you know, this is why television is so destructive. And media can be... You know, again, these things can be used for good, but they can, be, they can be so destructive because we remember much more that we see. And by the way, television, you see and hear it. You see and hear it. You're only hearing what I'm, what I'm giving you from the Word of God. When you read it, you may not even hear it. You know, if you read it out loud, you, you, if you would read it out loud or listen to it while you read it, you would probably... He- Remember a little bit more of it. 
And we live in a visual age. And Satan is deceiving us through the eye gate. You know, what we see often deceives us into thinking that what God has said is not true or is not sufficient or He's keeping something good from us because of what we see. You know, when I was young and naive, now I'm just old and dumb. But when I was young and naive, I used to look at other people and think, they always had it, everybody else had it better than me. You know, there was, a, there was a family that, you know, my best friend was in their family. And I always thought they had it better than us. That they were happy because they had money and we didn't. And then I went to work for that family. And you know what I found out? Their money didn't make them happy. It wasn't their money that made them happy. It was a relationship with the Lord. I mean, they experienced things, devastating things that our family never experienced. That I'm glad we never experienced. Their son that was my age was killed in a car wreck when he was 21 years old. The dad's father was killed in a farming accident. His nephew, the dad's nephew, was run over with a tractor by his dad. Devastating things. You see, I learned that my eye had deceived me. It deceived me as a boy. And so... We need to keep our focus. It's imperative we keep our focus on the words of the living God. What God says is true. I don't care if your eye seems to contradict it. You need to believe the word of God and not your eye. If we will keep, a, keep our focus on the words of God as Joshua was, was instructed, because you know, Joshua's eye could have easily deceived him. I mean, he faced nations with chariots of iron and horses. Real battle equipment, which they didn't have. And the Lord said, don't be afraid of them. Oh, yeah, whatever. You know, just don't be afraid of them. they got chariots, and you know, we're all on foot. Oh, just don't be afraid of them. No, because said, oh, Lord, I will fight for you. You see, we have a Heavenly Father that will fight for us. He will keep His word to us. He will be faithful to us, even if we believe not. He abideth faithful. So don't let your eye deceive you. You know, the Word of God will keep us thinking right. You know, every time, and this is one other thing I saw, see in the Word of God, when people are unthankful, apostasy sets in. You know, unthankfulness demonstrates that we are no longer content 
with the words of God. We begin to think there's something better. God is not good, nor is he fair, nor is he just. Or he is restrictive, therefore our rebellion is justified. And usually this starts with, we want to be like everyone else. That's peer pressure. That's what the nation of Israel did. They wanted to become like everyone else. We can become embarrassed about the commandments of God. And then we become resentful. You know, Proverbs 14, 12, and 16, 25 says, There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the ends are of the ways of death. And again, unthankfulness is always associated with apostasy and unbelief. Look at Romans chapter 1 and verse 21. It says, Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. 2 Timothy 3.2, talking about the perilous times in the last days, and one of the characteristics that is stated there in describing those, those of the last days and the perilous time, the men will be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. How many Americans do you know that think the world owes them something? They're not thankful for what they have. They think the world owes them something. Deuteronomy 28, 45-47, Moses said this about what would happen to the children of Israel in the future. He said, Moreover, all these curses shall come upon thee and shall pursue thee and overtake thee till thou be destroyed, because thou hearkenest not unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded thee. In other words, you're not going to keep your focus on the words of God. And then he says, And they shall be upon thee for a sign, for a wonder, upon thy seed forever, because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. See, they begin to lack appreciation for what God had given them. And look at the other nations around them and start thinking, oh, we want to be like them. And God's ways seem to become harsh or unfair or unjust. No, God is always good. And if we're going to maintain a thankful heart, the key is we have to have a right thinking about who God is and who we are. And to maintain that, you have to keep your focus on the words of God.
Do we have much to be thankful for? But again, it's something that we have to maintain. Something we have, it doesn't come natural. It doesn't come natural. It comes from the heart. Out of a heart of love and gratitude for the goodness of God to us. Might we be a thankful 